0: a witch, a witch. In colonial times, it didn't take much for one to be accused of witchcraft. Such was the case of Maul Dyer, a woman accused of witchcraft in colonial Maryland. She lost her life because of superstition. This is a cautionary tale that's been remembered for over 320 years. And for good reason. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. The sun never made its grand debut this morning, only snuck up on me. Darkness had left its nightmares in my mind, but the kettle's boiling promising relief only tea and daybreak can bring. The rooster screeches beyond the window, and the world feels normal. But I know it isn't. Beyond the cover of the wood rests a flock of monsters disguised, wearing false smiles yet having serpent tongues. I pour the hot water over the dried leaves and watch as the pieces swirl in the cup. One cup. That's all I own. One. I am alone. My brother's face flashes before me, first when he was just a boy, and then now, as he's aged. I'd witness life slowly bleed from him. Years stripping away his youth, his body, and now his mind. I long for days of yore, when we were back home as children beneath mum's feet. Days before war, famine, and servitude had stolen our hope. A nuthatch nestles into the sill and watches me watch it. A cardinal sings in the distance. Its large head bounces from left to right, As does its short tail as it pecks at the seeds I'd left for it yesterday. The tiny round bird reminds me of myself. A wee grey thing in the forest. Hiding. Waiting. It tweets a simple song. Stealing me from my thoughts. Mercies by those who need mercy. I whisper and pray a jumble of sorrows before lifting the cup to my cold, cracking lips. After I pour myself another bit of tea, hoping to fill my empty belly, I tap the glass softly. The nuthatch doesn't flinch. It knows I'm its friend, and his company reminds me of just how alone I am. I worked my whole life to be here, to finally make my way to the colonies. But it's not what I'd hoped. People cast skeptical eyes towards a woman, alone. Women weren't made to be alone, can't be trusted. That's what they think. Maybe they're right, I say to the nuthatch, then scoff at the idea. The clouds overhead swirl as if they are writhing in pain. If it weren't so terribly cold. I'd go out and study them. They are trying to say something, but what? The tea is doing little to warm me. I wrap the quilt around my shoulders and stoke the fire. A shadow flits across the stones, and my body freezes. Limbs growing cold and stiff. I'd been fearing the cold, but something much worse is coming. Something else will come to sniff me out. I glance back to the nuthatch, thinking it'd offer me some solace, but it's gone. Had it ever been there? The unsettling seed of truth the shadow had planted dug its way to the core of me, slithering its thorny fingers into my depths, continually whispering the ugly future, my future, Into existence. In the end, it won't be the cold's fault. It will be the monsters beyond the wood who kill me. Witchcraft was illegal in Maryland in the 17th century, it was considered a felony. A book by Michael Dalton called Country Justice laid out that a person could only be convicted of witchcraft if there were two witnesses or a confession by the person in question. But given that witchery is usually done in secret, compelling circumstantial evidence could be enough to convict. The Witchcraft Act of 1604 said that making a pact with the devil is a sin punishable by death. Very little could cause someone to be accused of witchcraft if they did not align with the religious and social customs of the time and area, there was a possibility of suspicion. Though it wasn't difficult to arouse suspicion from your neighbors, Maryland began as a place for religious tolerance, so very few witch cases went to trial. But that doesn't mean that people of the Maryland colony were accepting to witches. According to legend, Maul Dyer was a witch from St. Mary's County, Maryland in the seventeenth century. An older woman, she lived in a small shack south of the St. Mary's seat, Leonardtown. There's a road there now called Maul Dyer Road. Her use of herbs and odd customs caught the attention of townspeople, and soon they began calling her a witch. In sixteen ninety seven, Disease broke out in the area. It was an unusually cold winter, and people began falling ill, probably with the flu. So many died that people started to wonder if something otherworldly was causing this cursed sickness. And back then, being an odd spinster was dangerous. They immediately suspected that Maul Dyer had used some witchery against them. They wanted her gone and they would stop at nothing to get her to leave. One cold and eerie night, the townspeople set Moll's shack on fire. Flames licked into the sky, destroying everything she had in the world. Fearing for her life, she fled into the dark woods, pushing deeper and deeper into the frozen landscape until she could no longer feel her feet, hands, and face. Meanwhile, the townspeople were thrilled that she'd left, a few days later, a young man searching for his lost animals discovered her frozen body on a rock. Her hand and knees made indentations on the surface of the stone, and one of her arms was held toward the sky. Locals then began the lore of Maldire, the witch who cursed the town and now the rock. The people who caused her death would pay. The legend of Maul Dyer has survived for some 320 years. The rock was removed from the woods in 1972 and placed next to the old jail in Linnartown, which is a historic landmark. The faint indentations of where her hand and knees rested can still be seen on the rock today. While it was being relocated, many people reported strange events. Workers experienced everything from bodily injuries to camera failure and more. The Weather Channel did a story on Mall Dyer, and in it, local resident Lynn explained how she'd always heard that if someone touched the rock, bad things would happen. She claims that only 30 seconds after she touched it, her chest became tight and her lungs burned. She felt like she couldn't breathe, and even began coughing up blood. The coughing fit lasted for 45 minutes. The rock isn't the only thing that seems cursed. People have reported having accidents because of seeing an apparition on Maldire Road. And the area seems to have strange weather that at first appears normal. Then an eerie storm will emerge from nowhere, accompanied by a gut feeling that screams that something isn't right. If Maldire were, in fact, a witch, it would stand to reason that she'd left a curse on all those townspeople who caused her death. Many of the descendants of those persecutors attribute some of their family's tragedies to have been caused by Maul's curse. As author Lynn J. Bonviri, in her well-researched book, Maul Dyer and Other Witch Tales of Southern Maryland, explains Maul Dyer was born as Mary Dyer on February 19, 1634, in Devon, England. She and her brothers traveled as indentured servants to the West Indies and then made their way to Maryland in 1677. The author also states that Moll learned witchcraft from the Nevis Plantation, to which she was indentured to, and brought that knowledge and practice with her to Maryland. Mary was the fourth child to parents William and Elizabeth Dyer. Civil war, unrest, and financial scarcity likely led to Moll and her brothers leaving England in 1669. Set out to build a better life. Mary spent eight years as an indentured servant before traveling to America. It's believed that there she may have learned many herbal and natural remedies and cures that would later cause suspicion from townspeople unaccustomed to outside practices. When Mary arrived at St. Mary's, she worked as an indentured contract. Her brother and his family also moved there. Part of her payment for working was a small tract of land to live on. She was 43 years old then. After working off her contract, she stayed in the area living off the land. She likely continued to practice herbal medicine and other domestic jobs. As a Catholic and practitioner of African rituals, She'd picked up during her time in the West Indies, she was seen as an outsider in the community. In nearby Massachusetts, a swirl of fear was growing about witches and their effects on the community. People began to wonder if evil lived amongst them, and if so, how could anyone be safe? Because of the Puritan influence in the area at the time, the women who were usually persecuted for witchcraft were unmarried, elderly, and Catholic. But Maryland had a large Catholic population and embraced religious tolerance. What made Mary, or Maul as they called her, so unique? Several events made the winter of 1697 treacherous for Maul. A young girl who was in the care of Maul died unexpectedly. Her parents blamed Maul for the death, that the town experienced a series of difficulties—crop failure, farm animal deaths, bone-chilling temperatures, and a severe outbreak of influenza. On March 27, 1697, the Council of Maryland recorded, It hath pleased God that this winter hath been the longest, that hath been known in the memory of man. For it began about the middle of November, and little sign of any spring yet. It was very uncertain weather, several frosts and snows, one of which was the greatest hath ever been known. All these things seemed to overlook Moll, though. She was unscathed by the disasters afflicting her neighbors, which wasn't a good sign in their eyes. Some believe that in response to their anger and harassment, she began trying to frighten them with spells. David Thompson, the author of two books about Maldire, Dyer, explains in an interview that the governor of the time reportedly gave his permission to move forward with removing the witch, because his family had gotten sick as well. Adding insult to injury, a colonial letter mentioned her as being ugly, and Mr. Thompson also said that she was enamored with the Native Americans. All of this proved too much for the colonists. They wanted Maul, the witch, gone. As the elderly woman laid in her bed that icy cold night, her neighbors were conspiring. As she slept, they approached her humble home with torches. Their fear was masked with anger as they threw fire on the roof and through the windows of her home. Awaking to the smell of smoke, the older woman probably grabbed whatever she had available to keep herself warm. Perhaps she wrapped a blanket around her shift and stumbled into the night, hearing their angry voices screaming for her to leave and never come back. Their words of condemnation and dangerous threats sent Maul into the dark woods with nothing but a blanket for shelter. Feet bare and frozen in the snow. She wandered farther and farther away from home into the darkened night, surrounded by a canopy of dormant trees. The night whispered as it does, voices in the wind, branches creaking, bending, breaking under the weight of the snow. The angry voices still echoed through the empty forest, followed by a howl, and the low hoot, of an owl nearby. Her body shivered, lips turning purple, fingers numb as she held the blanket around her. Curling up on a smooth, freezing rock, she tried to survive, but the cold forest was too brutal. She died that night in 1697 at the age of 63. St. Mary's and the surrounding areas continued to experience difficulties and tragedies, to which they still attributed to Maul. They believed she'd cursed the whole area because of their part in her death. Perhaps they subconsciously felt they deserved her curse. Who knows? But by attributing bad luck to her for years and years, they kept her memory alive, even naming places significant to her after her all these years later, strange things continue to happen around Maul Dyer Run. There are reports of the ghost of Maul herself, roaming in the woods every year on the coldest night. There are also sightings of a white dog she reportedly wanders around with. Her familiar, perhaps? And as if this story wasn't twisted enough, there's a major plot twist coming up right after this brief promo. Prepare to enter an immersive world of tragedies, hauntings, legends, and folklore. Southern Gothic is an independently produced podcast documenting the rich history of the American South, guiding you through some of its darkest tales and eerie locations. Join us now on Southern Gothic, the podcast. As if the land Maul lived and died on isn't historically cursed enough, in the 1940s, another woman by the name of Mary, that is, Mary Bell Thompson, lived with John Thomas Thompson in the same woods as Maul Dyer to escape prejudice. You see, John was a divorced white man, and Mary was a widowed black woman. Neither of them was from the area, but to escape the scrutiny of their home state, South Carolina, they fled to Maryland where people were more tolerant. They settled at the end of Mall Dyer Road, where the witch once dwelled 250 years before. The couple planned a beautiful future together, John built Mary a home and even built two tombs for them a little farther into the woods. Sadly, Mary would need her tomb far too soon. She died on July 10, 1942, from kidney disease. And this is where the story gets a little strange. Historically, nothing odd stands out about these two other than their bravery for being together when the world didn't yet accept them but the lore that survived them has morphed into a bizarre tale. Locals grew up hearing tales of these two. One said that John was so distraught over losing Mary that he would frequently remove her body from the tomb and bring her into the house with him. He was supposedly discovered doing this and was sent to the Crownsville State Mental Hospital, where he lived until he died in December of 1969. That's one story but who knows what truth there is to it. All that's known for sure is that he left the area sometime in 1942, after Mary Bell's death, and died in 1969. In 1964, local teenage boys robbed Mary Bell's grave, taking her skull and parading it around the community. They were prosecuted and supposedly Mary Bell's skull was returned to her tomb. The next year, in 1965, more teenagers opened the tomb again and left it open. Even though they didn't take anything, Mary Bell's body was open to the elements. The current owner claims that the tomb has been open since he bought the property in 1979. He says the skull has never been there. Are the restless spirits of Mary Belle and Maul Dyer roaming the woods? I know I don't want to find out. Maul lived through wars, famine, disease, brutal work, and winters, only to be killed by her own neighbors. She died because she was different in a time when different could mean death. She was independent and strong in a way few of us will ever witness. She survived so much in her life, and she deserves to be remembered as a strong, fearless woman. Much of the same can be said about Mary Bell. These two women defied social norms to live out their lives the way they felt was right. But you know what they say about a woman scorned, don't you? She'll bring hell to those who cross her. is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod, John Bjork, Christian Anderson, and Lalo Brickman. Fable Collective now has a YouTube channel where I post extra content related to the episodes and short fiction films. I hope you'll hop over and check that out. There's also another announcement coming at the end of the week, so be sure to follow us on social media at Fable Collective. Wishing you a happy Halloween!